Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-15. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Those of you who have been attending with us for the past few weeks, the past uh, two weeks. Uh, this has been a three-week series, so just to bring you in, we don't always talk about finances here at the church, uh, but this is a, 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 an interesting little side note. Prior to this, ser- this sermon series beginning two weeks ago, it had been 276 sermons since we had last talked about finances. <laughs> Too long, really, so uh, forgive us in that. But as we go forward, uh, we're looking for what God has for us expectantly and trusting Him as always. Uh, I picked this passage for us to be looking at. There's so many passages, and really this is the back end of two chapters in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. We're focusing our attention on the last half of chapter 9, but it's a real long uh, letter that Paul is writing the church in Corinth. Um, and, and it's been set up well by Wes these past couple weeks. So Wes led the first two weeks. If you haven't listened to those sermons, I encourage you, get online and listen to those sermons. Week one, we learned that finances are one of the tools God uses to grow our faith. Money is a heart issue. Money is a heart issue. That's why we're calling this full-hearted. Um, you might remember that that first week, two weeks ago, Wes shared with us a page of soul words. Feelings. Those of us who struggle to identify feelings, I got a a sheet here for us to remind us of what that looks like. Uh, And he asked us to circle and underline and asterisk, you know, how we're feeling about our personal finances, how how we feel about giving to God, um, those type of things. This is my my worksheet here. This is me doing the work. And I had to go home later on that week and continue the process because I was trying... It was good for me to process my feelings and what, what I feel about finances. That was a whole new take on that. And so Wes did a great job of leading us in that. Hope that you found that useful as well. And if you struggle identifying with feelings, here's your cheat sheet. You can just keep it in your back pocket for your conversation with your spouse coming, you know, how you're feeling about things. There's some words for you. 
Second, last week we learned that generosity that grows our faith is sacrificial, it's joyful, and it's intentional. And we just want to say, many of you right here in this room, many of you at home, online, uh, many of you participate in that week by week, month by month, year by year. You've been so faithful. We thank you. We thank you as a, as a person who receives uh, their income from, for the gospel ministry. It comes from people like you, sacrificing, giving. Uh, we say thank you, you know, for the work that the gospel is doing in and through this church and throughout this world through your giving. It's important that you know that. And I, I know I speak for the rest of the staff and all the global partners we support as well. So thank you. Um, I want to bring to your attention a budget slide. We don't often give these, this information out. We thought this would be a great time to give you an up-to-date uh, awareness as to where we stand in our fiscal year of giving. We give November, our, our fiscal year is November 1 through October 31, so we're is that a little bit past halfway in our fiscal year, but you can see uh, that our current giving, we are $22,000 short of the same amount of weeks as last year. So we're, our percent of last year's giving is at 97%. Just want to bring that to your awareness. It's important for us all to know numbers matter, and so we thought it would be important for you guys to know where we're currently at. We praise God that, we, that God has brought us what he has, and we know that we can... Uh, by his help, we can, we can bring that up north of 100%. Uh, because remember, next year's giving is based upon this year's giving. Next year's budget is based upon this year's giving. So we'll be having that annual meeting coming in uh, the first week of November. It's going to be here before we know it. But let's not talk about that. We're looking forward to summer. Summer's better than November. All right, so I uh, want to just up, you know, bring us up to date on what Paul is talking about here in this letter is that he is identifying that He's saying that it's, uh, he, he had talked back in 1 Corinthians 16, his first letter to the Corinthians, he talked about that he was encouraging this church as well as the church of Galatia to let's bring a gift, let's bring a blessing to the church of Jerusalem, the church of Jerusalem, okay? And so these, uh, these, these churches are rallying around Paul's leadership to be encouraged to give one church to another. And uh, so Paul is, is excited about this gospel proclamation about how important it is to support the ministry of the gospel and that the church of Jerusalem is needing it. He had referenced earlier in this chapter about the Macedonians. These are the, the churches up in Greece, north of Corinth, and these churches were uh, quite impoverished. They had been heavily taxed and their mining industry had been taken away by the Romans and they were very impoverished, but yet they were exceedingly, uh, incur they were exceedingly abundant in their giving and from what they had. They were, I would say, like a poorer church, the Macedonian churches, uh, Thessalonica and Philippians, uh, the Berean church. They were uh, the Macedonians, northern Greece. And so they were giving out their abundance and Paul is saying they've already set the way. And now we're asking you, Church of Corinth, Acacia, we're encouraging you to be able to have your gift prepared. So they've been planning on doing this. He's been building them up all along the way and he's been saying, now we're gonna be sending three men to come and receive that gift to take it to Jerusalem as his plan is. So the, the question here that we're really identifying is, is where, where do I give? And, 
And the scriptures are teaching this is you give to God. You give to God. You give through the church. And you trust the elders of that church to disseminate that money. You give to gospel proclaiming uh, organizations. This is where you give. This is where you trust your money to, that God has given. It all belongs to God. And now we are giving it and asking God to bless it and multiply it as it goes for the fruit of ministry to be re revealed. A marker of a mature believer is a generous giver. A marker of a mature believer is one who gives generously. We're going to go through our, our, path, our time that's left here with answering this question. How does the gospel drive us in giving? How does the gospel drive us in giving? Here at the church, we have a, a mission statement that's, that reads, we, we exist to glorify God by making gospel-driven disciples who engage people with the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. More and more dependent on Jesus. When we say we're, we're, our goal is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples, these are disciples sitting out here that I'm talking to who are driven by the gospel. And that's what I believe that this passage is going to share with us, um, why we give, how we give. So we're going to look, with no further ado, we're going to go to just verse 7 and make some observations just from verse 7 alone in chapter 9. Follow along with me in your scriptures and make notes as you need. How does the gospel drive us in giving? Well, first of all, he starts off by sharing with us in verse 7. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What we learn from here, the first observation is, is he doesn't tell us how much to give. He doesn't tell the Corinthians how much to give how much each person should give, how much the church should give. He doesn't share that information. And uh, recently, in one of my membership classes, I had received a, a great question of someone asking, learning to know more about our church, and they, said, they asked a the question, do you as a leadership meet with us to determine how much we're supposed to give? And I said, good question. But the, the answer is no, no, we don't do that. Uh, as you'll see, is be consistent with the teaching that we have here this morning is that this is between you and God. You and God. Between me and God. And like Wes shared with you, you, some of you may not know how pastors do this, but we tithe as well. We give to the church as well. Uh, as a leadership, we, we believe in that. And so uh, we try to be generous as much as we possibly can. Uh, by God's grace, we're able to do that. So how does the gospel drive us into giving? He doesn't tell us about how much to give, but people ask me all the time, how much should I start off by giving? New believers say, what should I give? And I say, it's always between you and the Lord, but it's a good footprint to begin to consider giving joyfully is with a tithe, with 10%. Now, I've been in pre-marriage counseling situations where I have this young couple sit in front of me, and we go through all of the things. We go through marriage expectations. We go through communication. We talk about spiritual beliefs. We go over 11 different assessments, and one of those is budget. One of those is financial expectations. And it's really helpful for this young couple to come and be able to start talking about what they expect to happen financially as so the two become one. And they start sharing a checkbook, and they start making shared financial decisions. 
Uh, it's, it's Wes shared last week, it's important for us to all go and do some more homework and look at our own budgets and revise them and consider, are we dialed in as tight as we should be? So for young couples, it's not uncommon that I'll find that this, this couple is upside down in their debt to income. And they're looking at, we want to give to the church. We want to give to the church. And a lot of it's going towards eliminating debt or just staying level with debt. I want to tell you that if you are in that situation and you're kind of in over your ears on debt, I would love to visit with you. I've got some of our elders who, are, who teach uh, financial classes. I would love to point you towards them. There is hope in getting out of debt. There is hope, and it involves giving to God. It involves trusting Him. You're going to listen to more. You're going to hear, hear more about that throughout our time together. But there is hope. There is hope for you in Jesus. Uh, I've had people north of three hundred thousand dollars in debt, and that didn't include a home. Uh, Coming, starting their marriage off together that way. They're still married. They're still making it. They're still crawling their way out, and they've got a plan. But God's going to be glorified through the whole time. Okay. So there's hope for you. So if you're looking for a place to start, I say start. Start with the tithe. Start with the ten percent. Secondly, Paul tells them, don't give reluctantly or grudgingly. Another word for this, don't give grudgingly, don't give uh, with sadness. No one likes receiving a gift that way, right? No one likes receiving a gift that way. So Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't be giving out of guilt or out of any sort of reluctance, any sort of half-heartedness. Don't, don't do that. That's not what... That's not what the instruction is here, okay? Thirdly, don't give under compulsion. Don't give under compulsion. Don't give under some sort of obligation or feel like someone is forcing you to give to the Lord's work. Why? Look at what he says here. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. What does a cheerful giver look like? Because we've been learning that it does, giving does come at a cost. Giving does come at sacrifice. There is sacrifice that happens in giving. So how can we give cheerfully? What does that even look like? And I'm telling you, as, as God sees a cheerful giver writing a check or filling up the Venmo steps with a smile on their face, that is saying, I trust you. God, I trust you. I'm coming with open hands. I'm coming with a smile on my face. I trust you. And like my, my friend here, he used to go to church here a long time ago and lives in Colorado Springs now. Some of you know him, Ron Forseth. He shared with me on the shore of the Pacific Ocean with my girls as he's hosting us out there in California 13 years ago. And he says, he looked down at my youngest daughter, Jamie, and he says, yeah, God likes it. God likes us when we trust him. He likes that. He likes it when we trust him. And that's so, that's so the message of the Bible. And for me, for speaking for me, there's no greater way for me to exhibit my trust than with my finances. When I step forward and I say, with joy in my heart, I believe in where this is going. I know what this is going to do. This is going to go to Japan and and people are going to hear about the gospel. And it might be the first time, it might be the 73rd time, but it's the time that God does his work and he blesses it. 
I gotta tell this story real quick. I wasn't planning on telling this story, but I'm thinking about Japan. We're talking about Japan, Japan, Japan. I had the rich opportunity back in 2008 to lead a team from here to there. And there's 130 million people living in Japan, the size, the physical state of California. And 130 million people, 80% of that population live in five cities. It's a dense, dense, dense population. And the gospel is very, very, very far from so many people. First world nation. What is it? 3, 0.3%, 0.3% people believe in Jesus in Japan. So they, they, we go there, we're doing a vacation Bible school, we're teaching English, we're teaching the English to people up to 25 years of age and building relationships. And this woman, Miho, Miho is attending and she's asking questions, she's asking questions, she's a young adult, she's 20 something years old. And so by God's grace, she was able to be introduced to that church through our visit there. She stayed there for four years after that, meeting with the pastor for Bible study and eventually made a profession of faith in Jesus. Changed her life, changed her eternal destiny, changed her marriage. This is what the gospel does when we fund the gospel work throughout the world. Give, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves this. I believe God's looking at a cheerful giver with a smile on his face. God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, this, this, this study for me has really been, been helpful from the Gospel Transformation Bible, and it gave us some great points to consider moving forward, and I'm gonna rifle through them because I wanna get done on time. How does the Gospel drive us in giving? First of all, my first point is, our abounding good works flow out of Christ's abounding grace. This is made clear from verse eight in our study. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God makes this evident and clear in abounding ways by his grace being, being shared with each one of us through Jesus through the death and resurrection of Jesus is where we come and get fueled to be given of our good works. Fueled to be given of our good works. And there's so many different ways we can do that even with our finances. A brief story that I would share that I was at a church back in Aurora that we used to do a father-son Canadian fishing trip. I don't have any sons, but I did have a kid in my youth group that didn't have a father, so I became a surrogate father for this trip. And we went all the way up to northern Saskatchewan, this big group of 35 guys, and we had a fantastic time catching fish, a beautiful time of watching fathers anoint their sons with words of affirmation. It was just a love feast for a whole week long. And we came back driving, we drove all the way up there, and now we're driving all the way back. So I thought I'd share it, you know, we pop off at a gas station, I thought I'd show a little bit of, you know, this is how we, honor one another, they said we love one another. So I jumped out of the, the, the Suburban that was being driven by a man who owned the Suburban, and I was like, I'm wash the windshield, I'm gonna wash that windshield. And so I get up there and I start washing the windshield with this, on the, I'm standing on top of the tire and getting all over this windshield and going for it, and they thought they'd have fun with this by turning the windshield wipers on. <laughs> so this, this dagger comes at my eye, and I 
move and I, I misses me and I see them all laughing inside and I slam the squeegee brush down on the window and cracks the window, the windshield. Didn't mean for that to happen, but I did it, right? I did it, and uh, so I start sulking. I'm like, man, I don't have money for this. I'm a youth pastor. I'm up here and burnt up a lot of money already being here. And I was just kind of sulking in my own wounds over there. And this guy, Dan, uh, a gentleman older than myself, he pulls me aside, and he gives me this talk, you know, and pulling me and just trying to speak some words of encouragement to me. He opens up his wallet pulls out a $100 bill and gives it to me. Now, a $100 bill back in these days was like a lot of money. <laughs> but he says, I want to help. I want to help you meet the needs of getting him a new windshield. He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to do that at all, but he thought that, that was, it was an act of grace that he was able to do, gladly able to do. It was a gift. It wasn't like, when we get home, you can give me more money back. It wasn't that way at all. He was just simply wanting to willingly bless me. Help me meet a need that I know I I didn't realize it was coming so hard. So our abounding good works, like my friend Dan, flows out of Christ's abounding grace in Dan's life. It was easy for him to do. Glad to do it. Second little uh, item that I want to pay attention to is the distribution of our resources flows out of his free distribution to us. Jesus has distributed all, all on that cross, all by rising from the dead, all by paying all of our debts. He, he, was, he who was rich became poor. He who was elevated in God's kingdom high and high and high, humbled himself down to this earth to live amongst sin and disease and live perfectly. The distribution of our resources flows, flows out of his free distribution. This is a matter of the heart. This is a matter of the heart. When we realize how much he has paid for us, how much the the extent he went to cover all of my sin, where God sees me as, as only blameless because of the work of Jesus in my life that Jesus paid for, he's paid it all. How can I not but help what want to freely distribute my resources for this same message? He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And Paul got this from Psalm 112.9 is what he's referencing if some of you are going through hard times and hard, hard challenges, that debt could be rising and you didn't ask for it. It could be medical costs. It could be a surprise water heater blowout. It could be anything. Really, if you've been around any time, you realize that hardship finds your way and you didn't ask for it. Financial hardship finds its way. And this happened to us early in our life as youth pastor and young, you know, young man, young wife, learning how to do our expenses together and and something went south, something went wrong, and we were in the middle of trying to crawl our way out of student life, student loan debt, and something went wrong, and Rhonda starts having a conversation with her mom on the phone. Starts talking about how, man, it's just, it's not going well financially. And they're talking back and forth, and then her mother 
through some great wisdom, says, well, have you considered increasing your tithe? Well, that's not you asking that. That's the Lord asking that. But when Rhonda repeated this to me, I was kind of like, well, was she not listening to you? <laughs> not that we were looking for a handout, but we're just looking for some support, and we got some wonderful support. So we take this consideration, and we're thinking, like, he is freely distributed to us. We, not only do we want to continue giving, but in faith, and I don't think we did it perfectly. I can't remember. It's a long time ago. But I hope and trust we gave with a smile on our face and continue to give more. And we're here. We made it. You know? Dollar by dollar, donut by donut, we have made it. God has been so faithful. And again, thank you for your faithful and sacrificial giving to this church and many fine organizations, gospel-oriented organizations that we, we support as well. Have you considered increasing your tithe? Jesus continued to give it all when it was hard for him. He gave all away. He kept giving and giving and giving. Lastly, I want to say we supply others because he has supplied us with a multitude, with a multitude of blessings. We supply others because he has supplied us with a multitude of blessings. Has he not supplied us with a multitude of blessings? Again, I was talking to my friend before service, uh, 91 years old. He's saying, I can't wait. I can't wait to go home and be with my Savior. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to be removed from all these aches and pains because it's only glory on that side. It's only glory on that side. We've been given much. We have been forgiven much. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. We supply others because he has supplied us with a multitude of blessings. We're rich. We're rich in Christ. We're rich even across this world. We are considered wealthy. Uh, we don't have, many of us don't have dirt floors at home. Uh, much of the world does. Many of us have mattresses. Much of the world doesn't have that. I look forward to a, a day that we can continue, continue, continue growing and growing more in being faithful, generous, sacrificial givers. To where we can see, as we've been seeing lately, we've been seeing baptism after baptism and people trusting Jesus for the hope of their salvation for eternity. We can see more and more of that and happening throughout the world through the, the effort of our global partners. Seeing more and more of that. Vacation Bible School, I'm gonna be serving. I want you to come join me. Vacation Bible School is coming soon. I wanna see there be an opportunity for children to receive Jesus Christ early on in life to help them move forward and walking in the joy of Jesus. I'm praying that this would be happening as we grow in our, in our generosity. So how does the gospel drive us in giving? How does that happen? How does the gospel drive us? And I think obediently giving is an attempt to express our gratitude for the inexpressible gift of Christ Jesus. 
The last verse in this, this section, verse 15, talks about the inexpressible gift. Paul writes it, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And that word inexpressible is not found anywhere else in the Greek. It's like Paul made it up on the spot. It's like inexpressible, and it, it caught, caught wind, and, and, and people started using it outside of the biblical text, but that's the one time it's used in all the scripture, inexpressible gift. And that's who Jesus is. And what he's done on the cross and rose, rose from the dead, we want to see that we can be obedient in our giving. And just a, is a way, an attempt, just an attempt to express our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. I think uh, as we look over this past series we've gone through these three weeks, God's promise is that he will use his people and their resources as instruments of his grace for the salvation of others. This is his plan. He wants to use you. He wants to use your resources to use people to reach other people, all people. And isn't it interesting that Paul is using this church in Corinth, these, uh, that's a Gentile church, and another Gentile church is up in Macedonia, uh, the Thessalonica and Philippi, these, these Macedonian churches, all these are reaching back to Jerusalem, full of, of Jewish believers in Jesus. Jesus. Um, I love how that is just sending healing mercies through the financial giving of these churches. That the gospel's for everyone and to be cherished for everyone. It's because of this truth that I stand to you before you today that two young men back in 1988 were sent from Miami of Ohio and UCLA to come to Summer Project here with an organization called Crew today. And they were coming here to be raised up in discipleship and they shared the gospel with me and I received the gospel that night. Who knows how many times I'd heard it before that night, but that's the night. And because those two men were sent out by people to come to Fort Collins, they probably raised money and people gave $20 checks for each one of them to go and they got a whole bunch of those $20 checks for them to come here and share the gospel with me and change my life. Age 18 years of age. So this is a, a, an opportunity to grow in being uh, sacrificial, generous, cheerful. Be a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver isn't clutching on to that. It's, it's laying it with a, a smile on the face that's trusting. This isn't trusting God, trying to get a whole bunch of faith. This is, this is trusting. This is trusting. That's where he wants us. He wants us to be a trusting group of people. Trust a big God. Trust him. So I want to encourage you to take a step. I've got some steps for you to take one, of maybe one of these steps. Each one of you is different. Each one of you is responding to, to God in different ways. So I want you to take a step. Some of you, it's to take a step from tipping to tithing. To move from tipping to tithing. And that will cost you but at the cost is an opportunity to trust with a smile on your face. Consistency, to move to a step of consistency. Maybe some of you haven't set up your online giving. Many of you have, and we, we thank you for that. I think that was a, a great tool to help move us through the past three years of challenges within our world. Online giving is really important. And you can get some more information, all the information you need right there on our give page at sharethelife.org.
three different intentional prayers. The first one being, consider giving faithfully. Thank you for those of you who are giving faithfully and, and generously, and to consider even maybe giving more. Second prayer movement, intentional prayer as an act of worship, give to God. This is something that I was personally convicted of. Too often with our automatic uh, payments going to the church, our automatic giving going to the church, it can, it, it, if, it doesn't, is it, if it's not incorporated with an act of worship, of prayerfully giving it, it can start to feel like it's a bill. Make it an act of worship. Find a way in your rhythms of giving to give. And give cheerfully. Lastly, give a one-time gift in addition to your regular giving. Consider giving a one-time gift. And pray. Pray that God would multiply it. I want to move this into a time of guided prayer. We're, as has been mentioned earlier in our service this morning about our, our, our year-long focus is bold prayers, praying boldly. And I just want to lead us into a time of, of, of guided prayer where we can be doing that together and lifting up our church together. Um, just three different movements I want to move us through and give you times of silence to be praying boldly with me, alongside me, as we go to God in prayer now. So would you please pray with me? Father, I pray that people who have yet to uh, enter into the joyful, trusting relationship of giving finances to you, I pray that they would begin today trusting you. Trusting you that advancing the gospel is something wonderful to participate with. So in a moment of silence, I just want to give you opportunity to pray at your seats. Father, you created this church back in 1879 in a new town called Fort Collins. Many men and women have gone before us and sacrificed. And through the years that brought our church from downtown out to where we sit now and even as, as recent as 2008, where we added on to our building where we really needed to add on early childhood ministries and hospitality ministries and fellowship opportunities. You provided. You provided financing and funding for us. We praise you for that. But we believe it's served its time, and it's time to pay the debt. We eliminate the debt, retire the debt. So folks, will you join me in praying that God would do a mighty thing? Let's pray together.
And lastly, Father, you have placed a vision in our hearts to raise up three new global partners to reach three unreached countries. You've put a vision in our hearts for each of us in this room to faithfully share the gospel with two of our neighbors. And lastly, you, you put on our hearts a vision to transform one neighborhood, all this by 2026. Will you provide, God, all that we need to be faithful to the vision you gave us? And you do it in a way that gives you glory. Only you can be glorified. God, in a year where we're praying boldly, oftentimes makes me realize how often I pray anemically. But you're mighty God. You are capable of more than we could ever imagine. You're mighty God. May we love you and give to you with a cheerful heart and a smile on our face and hands open wide to what you are what you're doing in us and, and, and through us and through us so Jesus will you be made much of this morning we look to you because you gave it all <laughs> you gave it all and paid it all we love you and we pray you this all in the powerful name of Jesus Amen. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.